Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Hello, I'm John Edge, and this is Skyline's The City Metric Podcast. One of the things we write about a lot on City Metric, because it's kind of, it's a bit clickbaity for us, is, is names. We do like, you know, talk about station names, particularly station names that annoy people. The other week I came up with 31 better alternative names for the station closest to the office, because it's currently called City Thames Link, which is a terrible, terrible name. But we've never really talked about it on the podcast. And, you know, since it is, it's a nice bit of clickbait for us. I thought it's something we should, uh, we should cover. So in a little bit, I'm going to be talking to the woman in charge of the campaign to rebrand a stretch of central London as Midtown, which I'm sure people have strong feelings about. But first, I've dragged my colleague India Bork down to the, the podcasting dungeon to tell me some things she's found out about street names. Hello, India. How are you? Very good. Thanks, John. So so I, I set you this task to basically go and find something interesting to tell me. You did. I was wondering I was wondering what my credentials for knowing about street names are. And I figured you looked around the office and just went, oh, India's named after a place. That counts. It does count. I mean, that wasn't the logic, but that would be that would be totally acceptable logic. I mean, you're named after quite a big place. So mm. that's that's legitimate. No, you, just, you haven't been on the podcast for a while. I'm like, I need I need I needed someone to talk to. Otherwise, it gets a bit weird down here if it's just me. Going, you know, talking to myself, it's like a bit too real. So what what street did you grow up on? I didn't grow up on a very excitingly named street. I grew up on a road, a road called Cranham Road. And then Cran- I Cran- Cranham. Cranham. As in Kenneth Cranham. But it's a, it's a sub, he's an actor. He's a Scottish actor, dear. Uh, no, it's a, Cranham is a suburb of Upminster, which is a suburb of London. It's not a very exciting what, name what for a road. What did he act? I, I don't know. Like this isn't a, this isn't a, an acting street, podcast. <laughs> I think it's named after him. He's still alive. What, what was your what was the street? Where did you grow up? Well, when you when you asked me, I suddenly realised I didn't know the name of my street. And then, How can you not know the name? Is this a countryside thing? Yeah, so it's a lane. Uh, so I live somewhere called Ash. Where I grew up somewhere called Ash, and I thought, oh God, what does the did the road actually have a name? So I googled, mapped it, and no, it's called Unnamed Road. Are you sure that's not the name? It's not like a meta thing. It's like don't the, the looks do not work on podcasts. You have to like vocalize. <laughs> it was a pondering your, look. I was going. I wish. Be. I wish I could have grown up somewhere so meta that it was called unnamed road. But um. But this is. I, I mean, this that. this is kind of a huge part of of 
the, the, sort of the, the fabric of any city is kind of how we name stuff. So like, I think one of the reasons people do get so exercised about the names of streets and districts and, and stations and so on is because it does kind of, it becomes part of someone's identity. Mm. So like they occasionally try and sort of, you know, this is, oh, it's not Battersea, it's South Chelsea, that kind mm. of nonsense, because they want to be a bit posher than they actually are. Obviously, street names historically are named after people. Oh, tons of examples, but... There's a really interesting one in the 1980s. Nelson Mandela became a very famous, popular name for streets and houses. Only fools and horses the how the block of. Oh yeah, it's Nelson Mandela yeah, house. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah. yeah. There's and a Nelson Mandela industrial estate in in uh, Camberwell somewhere, I think. Exactly. So yeah. it's everywhere. But then apparently Margaret Thatcher came to power. Who she wasn't such a Mandela fan. Thought he was a terrorist. And. Reportedly thought so, and um, so it's okay. You can libel the dead. You can okay. say what you like about <laughs> Thatcher. Quickly backtracking. Massive um, racist. <laughs> okay, Hated gay people. This is fine. Like she can't sue us. So, um, so uh, from then on, apparently only left-wing councils kept up the practice of naming stuff after Nelson Mandela. So hang on, there were there were non-left-wing councils naming things after Nelson Mandela once, according to the BBC website. Oh, there you it go. was a it was a thing, and then it became. A political, an even more political thing. Um, so, so what else have you learned in the in, in in the brief googling that I made you do in preparation for this podcast? Because <laughs> that's how organised we the are. The riches of Google also delivered me the fact that Penny Lane in Liverpool has become controversial because some people think it's insensitive because it commemorates James Penny, who was an 18th century slave trader. So you can get into a massive deep water. I did with not know names. that. That's interesting. Hmm. And it's obviously, I mean, like, it's, as I understand it, Penny Lane is not just literally the name of the street, it's the name of the whole area around there, which the Beatles wrote a song about. Oh, now I am out which of my depth. Uh, John, John Lennon grew up in Penny Lane, but he didn't live on Penny Lane. So there's somewhere in London called Little Britain, which is actually called that because people from Brittany and France used to live there. Oh. Take did, that, Brexit. <laughs> was this like Huguenots? When we used to have Huguenots, used Breton, to be a big Bretons. thing. Yeah, but but Huguenots are not a racial group; they're a religious group. It's French prosti- mm. pro- French Protestants, <laughs> not French prostitutes, <laughs> which would be very very different. Yeah, no, just, they they were running away from um, the St Bartholomew's Day massacre in fifteen fifty something. I don't know, sometime in the mid sixteenth century. John's practicing for the pub quiz. The St Bartholomew's Day massacre is the original massacre after which all massacres are named. No. So they get, yeah, and basically all this. Sort of, Parisian Catholics murdered a lot of prostitutes. Once again, Parisian Catholics murdered a lot of Protestants and not prostitutes. This is because this is really this is. Con- I'm going to get letters. <laughs> so what I also discovered when googling street names and politics was that not only do we name streets after political figures, but our streets shape our politics. Okay, that's how. How does that work? It is so fascinating. Someone called. Dr. Otto Peralias from University of St. Andrews um, published an article which showed that, and this is, so I'm going to quote the headline of an article about his research published in the Scottish Express, which is wonderful. It goes, Scots living on streets which have names linked to Great Britain or the Union are less likely to define themselves as Scottish only, according to new research. And wait for it. Guess what the author of this news article was called. I know. 
James Britton, something like that. David Scott. Ah, okay. Oh, I picked the wrong one. So does does this research have anything to say about the direction of causality here? So non-Scottish street names would be things like Queen Street, Royal Street, Regent Street, Mm. London Street. All I know is that people who live on those streets are less likely to identify as Scottish only. But, but we do, so we don't know whether it's that people who are unionists are more likely to, to live, live in on certain areas that than, maybe like, were historically called that. Yeah, that kind of that feels to me like that makes more sense. And you move to a street and it affects your view on whether Scotland should be an independent country. But. Certainly, because people live in choose communities that that they yeah. would fit into anyway. But I can also see if you walk down a street. Every day, there's like some subliminal messaging, Darren Brown style messaging that goes on where you go, oh. So having grown up on Unnamed Lane, do you think this gave you an identity crisis? I think being called India gave me an identity <laughs> crisis. Okay. So also, as you say, we've, we've historically we named a lot of the streets after, after people. A lot of people are men, as I understand it. Yeah, so, so as this research also points out... Street names in the UK are strongly biased towards men, and that the re- reasoning for that is there simply have been more famous men in history. Not more men in history, just more famous ones. Yeah, um, men are more likely to have been active in politics or business or, or yeah, public life. Even acting. Of, be, yeah, because of I mean, you know, once upon a time, like all the all the female parts were always paid by men, of course. So basically, as with so much, it's it's a patriarchy thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Patriarchy in the fabric of our cities. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so as I said, we do have an interview this week with the woman running the campaign B Midtown, which is a business improvement district active in the sort of Bloomsbury, Holborn bit of London, which has kind of been trying to sort of rename that that part of London as Midtown. Where do you, where do you stand on this? You, you're it's a fan. So wrong. It's so I I just think it's so wrong. I don't know the details. I'm going to have to listen to this interview. But Midtown is not a thing. Downtown, like Midtown, is relative to other things. It's I mean, mid; it's... it's not even a thing. And also, why are we just copying New York? And also, yeah. Midtown isn't even the best bit of New York. It's so. I mean, Midtown is where all the, it's the boring bit, basically, isn't it? Really, mm. like. But Mid- Midtown in New York is between Uptown and Downtown, and it's basically. I mean, there are, just I, south of Central. I Park, very briefly right? lived there, and it's it's gorgeous. It's got like the Chelsea Hotel and well, Times Square is Midtown. So it's got great things in it, but everything in between them is just so, such a non-event. Yeah, it's a such lot a of mid- Midtown it's... in my head means like non-town. Yeah, there's not really much, much to it. I mean, like the Midtown, the London Midtown is basically the bit between the city of London and the West End. Uh, well, there's a number of district names, but there isn't a kind of overarching identity. So I think it's an attempt to, to create that. But why? Why would you erase the history? So much history. I mean, obviously, Bloomsbury is really famous because we also have the Bloomsbury Group, which, you know... It's great literary great, tradition, gave, yeah. yeah. What are all the walking tours going to do when, <laughs> when they can't tell people about that? And yeah. then going... even Obviously, Bloomsbury is this really, really old name that... Google tells me that it came over with um with the Normans, as so many of our names did. William de Blemond, a Norman landowner, acquired the land. Slightly later on, Fitzroy Square. There's a great. Do you know the story of Fitzroy Square? No. What's the story of Fitzroy Square? So the word Fitzroy means son of a king. Mm-hmm. When when kings had illegitimate children, they would quite frequently call them. Fitzroy. And um, the guy who developed Fitzroy Square and the land around it in like the early 18th, late 17th century, early 18th century. So his father was literally the illegitimate son of Charles II. 
and all the well, streets. We got about a bit, Charles II, didn't he? He was a good time king. He so. was. And then all the streets around Fitzroy Square, Grafton Street, Euston, Warren, they're all named after titles given to Charles II's other illustrious children. Well, that's nice. I know. That's, that's why, would you, why would you erase that great British, great British history? Well, let's, let's, let's find out. My name is Tass Marfagadato. I'm Chief Executive of B Midtown, which is our front-facing brand name of the company B London. Okay, now Midtown is a slightly charged name. What is Midtown? Just geographically, draw a line around it for us. What is in Midtown? We're really talking about the middle of town, literally. I guess if you look at Midtown in Manhattan or you know, Tokyo or other cities... It has a particular commercial delineation usually in terms of streets, but usually businesses as well. For us, we're literally talking about the middle of London, and we feel that it's important to position areas or districts. So for ages, the West End, people tend to think of as central. Um, It is central, but it's technically west. And the city, technically east, if you look at the postcodes. But obviously the area in between hasn't really had an umbrella title so because it is physically in the middle of London, we've called it Midtown. If you talk to a property agent, which is where originally in the UK the term Midtown has come from, they'll probably delineate it as a bigger area than us, which goes from the northern edge would be the Euston Road, southern edge would be the river on the north bank. Uh, eastern and western edge is probably our district, which is really where, where you hit uh, Westminster Borough Boundary at Tottenham Court Road Station and then in the east over when you hit the city so it's kind of Clerkenwell and south down to sort of St Paul's that area. Give us a couple of district names are we talking to the Bloomsbury that kind yeah. of? So, so for us it's the, we're, we're here to represent businesses so we're in the commercial districts of that area so it's the central corridor which is Bloomsbury, Hoban St Giles which is the church and the new buildings around Centrepoint we also talk about Farringdon as the area around the station as well as the station itself and Clerkenwell. Clerkenwell Green, you know, the area before you get to Old Street. So, so Midtown is effectively the bit between the West End and the city, isn't it? It is, but we, of course, wouldn't sort of name ourselves in that way. We, 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 we feel that it has a massive history and wonderful attributes, so we're really celebrating the district. But by giving it an umbrella title... Often it allows people to identify with the place more readily. I think if you're a Londoner, you might know different sort of village-type districts like Bloomsbury or Clerkenwell. But if you're not a Londoner, but maybe you just work in London, you might feel more familiar with the tube map. So where you've got sort of areas that follow the tube map, it's quite easy. But then you can also miss out on stuff that I think in London we have really great things, which are sort of one street back or hidden gems that just sort of historic or just really great social places. As, as you said, this, this name, I think, originated in sort of the, the real estate industry. My, my suspicion is it's Americans coming in and you kind of, it's, it's quite an American term, as you say, Manhattan as a midtown. Why, why does it kind of need this umbrella branding? What was wrong with just saying Bloomsbury or St Giles? Um, nothing, honestly. Although I think if you ask someone where Bloomsbury is, you'll probably get a million different interpretations of where where that is and of course you could say the same probably about Mayfair or Soho in the West End 
but generally people will say West End contains a range of village type areas and so all we're really saying is this area has a range of really great small places that often it's beneficial to wrap a sort of general identity around it. We're not trying to take anything away, we're trying to celebrate it. I think in terms of Americanism, as I said earlier, I think it's more for us about talking about the middle of our great city, so it's positioning as opposed to branding that kind of pushes it into a certain kind of identity. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But I mean, Midtown is not in use as an identity that people would generally use, I think. I mean, is it, have you found any sort of resistance to the idea of like... You know, we first sort of started talking about it more in around 2010 when we were kind of actually talking to people about would they see benefit in an area term, and a lot of people said, yes, they would. And I think then people sort of thought, mm, not quite sure about that name. But to be honest, it, it's a bit like we, we're not probably that sure where West End came from, and would people necessarily call that collection of streets and areas West End today? I don't know. You know, South End we often get in different cities around the world, North End, you know. So... We're talking about the middle of London. I mean, a lot of people do use that term now, Midtown, especially if they're sort of local to this district. And we hear it more and more. The Evening Standard, as sort of London's voice, often refers to Midtown. We, we run uh, an event series with them, and the Evening Standard is our media partner. So, you know, we've, we've found that that's gone down quite well with people. That they sort of get, get a nice sense of identity of a district. We're not here to really fight the corner we're here to help destination and and for people to be able to celebrate and get the most out of a city district you're a business improvement district yes what does that mean to you like i mean this is again this is possibly not a term that's going to be familiar to everyone listening what does a business improvement district do how do you work with with businesses in the area sure so it's a 
It's a UK-wide industry now that is kind of linked to town centre management. The difference really and, and the way that we operate is its main intention was to be was to enable businesses to have a collective voice. So when you're a resident in an area, you can go to a local councillor, um, you can go to your borough council and people at local government level listen to resident groups. Um, this was the similar idea but for the place of work. So basically we represent the collective voice of businesses so that they can have um, an impact on the area that they work in. But obviously that impact is for a broader community, so it's for tourists and visitors and residents and businesses all, all the same. So for us, we're here, we represent uh, 420 businesses across those village areas in Midtown, and um, we collectively represent them on issues like transport or public realm, and, but we also do sort of specific projects for them around issues that affect business. We work with the GLA, the Mayor's London Plan, and sort of vision for London, that's our kind of overall context. And we sort of support things that are advantageous for our city. So we can lobby on behalf of business to local government. Um, we can also work with the Met Police for a safer district. And we can work with all of the kind of powers that be. So that's the, the legislation that sits underneath us, allows us to be more than an informal group. We're actually a sort of formal group that that's taken seriously by local government. You mentioned working on specific projects for the local businesses. Can you give a couple of concrete examples of things you you have done or are trying to do? Yeah, so so we might work across some um, sustainability type issues for business uh, that might also be linked into bigger plans for London. So, for example a lot of media coverage over recent months on freight and the impact on streets in terms of air quality and pollution. So we have a couple of delivery projects that help to consolidate deliveries into the area. One for daily essential items like milk and fruit boxes and newspapers and stuff that people actually have in offices where you can order through through us and you basically get competitive rates of products but also it's all delivered in sustainable transport and the same for personal shopping if you're shopping online but your employer allows you to have stuff delivered to work we can actually consolidate those deliveries and make it a much greener service um, we also work on larger projects where we can influence things happening like the upgrade for Hope and Tube Station with Transport for London I found the delivery stuff quite interesting. It's literally about sort of getting lorries off the road by sort of getting stuff to fewer lorries. I mean, this always sounds this this is all very useful. I can kind of see why there is a need for this function. It also feels to me like the kind of thing that once upon a time, like we we, we already have organisations that are meant to represent particular areas, and they're called local councils. Why? I mean, most of most of what you describe as Midtown is, I think, in, in the southern part of Camden. Why is Camden Council not doing this? Why does it need to be a separate organisation? Yeah, so local borough councils, of course, do lots of things, including statutory provision. Statutory provision is financed primarily through council tax if you live somewhere, or business rates if you work somewhere. The difference is that. As a resident, you have representation at local council, local government level, through elected councillors. So in other words, residents elect local councillors to represent their voice. But businesses don't have that, and yet actually often 
the public purse is dependent on private investment. So if you look at property in cities or infrastructure improvements like Crossrail, for example, it's largely funded by private money. So there was a move years ago to suggest that businesses should also have some kind of representation. Obviously, they don't elect local people to fight their corner, but a business improvement district or a collection of voices through us is a method whereby there can be their views can be collectively represented. So it's different to the work of local government. Local government does things like rubbish collection on the streets for residents. It's meant to replace light bulbs in public lighting systems. It's meant to fill potholes on streets. They still do all of that. Or if they don't do it, it's nothing to do with us. Uh, where we start is uh, where statutory provision stops. And so we can assist by bringing the private sector together to maybe make additional investments into publicly uh, beneficial schemes or just represent the business voice to those things. But we can also, for example, with the delivery projects, have an impact um, through working with Transport for London that no one else is actually doing at the moment. We can help London, that's part of our remit, but it's also about enabling the commercial success of our city because without economic development and without businesses doing good things, you know, cities don't work and the country doesn't get paid for. At the moment, London finances the UK, so, you know, it's in all of our interests, really, that the business community also thrives. Can I just ask also, um, I haven't seen one recently, but there certainly used to be guys with little bowler hats and orange scarves and midtown branding hanging around outside Hogan Tube Station can I help passers-by. Are they, are, they, are they your doing? We do have an information kiosk outside Hogan Station run by people as opposed to you know electronic or digital information. But the, the function is very clear. It's about trying to help people get from A to B, but we also kind of track what's going on at the street level. It's an information point if you get lost or you've had an accident of some description, so we can work with the Met Police or local police agencies. So, for example, there's often sort of uh, homeless people that we can help as well um, by connecting those to agencies so that the information kiosk is a sort of point of contact for street-based issues, if you like. It's also an air quality monitoring station, so it works with King's College, which reports straight into the Mayor of London on air quality at that junction in central London. Last question. A lot of people listening to this podcast aren't in London, aren't even in the UK. Why, why should a visitor to London come to this bit of town? What is there, what is there to see in, kind of your, in your realm? Oh, it's one of the best areas. So if you really want to see London, this is uh, an area where it has some of the, what we call the sort of quintessentially British and London-based things. You'll see all the great things like red phone boxes, uh, post boxes, but you'll also see beautiful garden squares, that are sort of Georgian buildings, railing squares, you know, lovely sort of tree, tree-lined areas, tree-lined boulevards as well. We've got some classic streets, sort of original streets in London, and also some amazing architecture, iconic uh, new build, but also beautiful ancient inns of courts. Um, we've got Lincoln's Inn just around the corner from Hogan Tube Station, some fantastic museums. We're part of Museum Mile, 13 museums within London, all with different collections, including, of course, world-renowned British Museum. But there's a lot more. There's fantastic historic pubs, uh, so lots of kind of great places to go and some fantastic hotels to stay in. Okay, well, if you're listening, then, you know, come check out what we're now calling Midtown.
so for the last bit of the podcast, I've asked the followers of, of the City Metric Twitter feed to come up with their own examples of, of well, I, I gave them two options. I said, you can either give us your own, you know, your favourite names from cities or, you know, more... If expecting this one to be more popular, to be honest, you know, what other horrific estate agent rebrandings are there that you've you've responded to particularly? And you know, people pe- people send us some quite aggressive responses to this one. So someone called who tweets under Central NJ Yimby. Very keen on building houses in New Jersey, I think is what's going on there. Thank you. <laughs> Says Soho West sounds like it might be on the edge on the western edge of the popular neighbourhood in Manhattan, which gets its name from being the area south of Houston Street. But in reality, it's a developer-led attempt to rebrand part of Jersey City all the way across the Hudson River in a different state. That's that's quite brave. I mean, that is kind of... That's sort of well beyond South Chelsea, isn't it? Like going to a different state entirely and saying it's part of Soho. You could say New York took its name from all the way across the Atlantic. It wasn't even the first name. It was, it yeah, was originally New Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I like the one from um, Professor Alistair Ray of the University of Sheffield, who does, does some great map-based stuff for us. You should really check out his work. But he um, he points out the continuing existence of North Londonshire, which was an attempt to rebrand the rather boring southern Midlands county of Northamptonshire, where houses are cheaper, which apparently still works on the Right Move website. If you Google North, North Londonshire, you will find lots and lots of houses in and around Northampton. That's cute. Stephanie Boland, late of this parish, said, uh, this isn't really about a name, but she said she used to really enjoy the hoarding on a big Whitechapel site that has all white people on the mock-up graphics. You know, the Whitechapel is not really known for its being ethnically monocultural, is it? Someone who tweets as the Yorkist said it has to be Poets Corner in the south part of Acton. Says it's nice Victorian houses, but no poets. They couldn't afford it. Al Stora says uh, CB1 for the area around the railway station in Cambridge, even though the postcode area covers much of the centre and east of the city, and even a village outside the city limits. Plus, the development is awful in many ways. And then he very kindly put OK to read out under the... Thank you, Al. That's very kind of you to sort of say we're OK to read out a tweet in response to one saying, can you give us some tweets to read out? Daniel at Dear God What Now says Hyde Park... Um, in Leeds, which is the apparently the most burgled postcode in the country. So it's not like Hyde Park in London, which is you know a nice big park, and it's not like Hyde Park in Chicago, which is the really posh bit. It's it's a different. I didn't thing. know there was one in Chicago. Yeah, yeah you know it's where um, the Obamas used to live. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So Sophie Jenkinson from the IPPR objects to North Bank, which is not like Midtown. North Bank is an attempt to rebrand. A section of central London. Please which tell is me it's bas- on the correct bank of the river. It is on the north bank. <laughs> it, but it's like basically, you know, the Strand, Trafalgar Square, Aldwych around there. And I, I don't mind that one. Mm. You're not sold? Whatever. What's her objection to it? I mean, her objection is the same as a lot of people's objections, which is that it's horrible and we should stop trying to rebrand bits of London. There was briefly an attempt, by the way, to rebrand the area around the Bricklayers Arms roundabout at the top of the Old Kent Road as Sobo for South of Borough, which is, it really, it <laughs> really doesn't work. Like, I once saw an estate agent's listing saying, and then, you know, this, this property is in the heart of Sobo. So how can you be in the heart of somewhere that doesn't exist? It's not in the heart of anywhere. That's the whole problem. Anyway, so it's another one of these and it's a business improvement district and everyone hates it for pretty much the same reason that you instinctively hated midtown but i quite i quite like north bank because i mean it is bland don't get me wrong but i think we do kind of there isn't really an umbrella name for like which like which part of town is trafalgar square it doesn't pass north bank does not pass the wind in the willows test or the 
like you, what's the wind in the willows test i know the bechdel test well, what's the wind in the willows test? like does it include like a talking animal like what's the well i'm thinking of children's books where animals never live in blandly generic like bland generic place names it's always like you know foggy bottom or foggy bottom is a part of washington dc where the FBI oh, is based. Is it not also in Animals of Farthing Wood? Who knows? I don't know. No, Foggy Bottom <laughs> is a real place in Washington. <laughs> My strange cross-section of influence. <laughs> it sounds like Foggy Bottom passes the window, wind and the willows test because it feels like it could be a place in a children's, can, can in a children's I, book. Can I just clarify... Is the wind in the willows test a real thing, or did you literally just make it up, <laughs> just made it up. this second? Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, we'll try and we'll try and make that a meme. But yeah, no, I think I mean North Bank is bland. It's not great, but like if you try and work out, you know, which part of town is Trafalgar Square in, and it's not really. It's kind of like between no, it's in Trafalgar Square. But you can't just have a square. Yeah, you like, can if it's Trafalgar Square. But it's like, you know, it's it's sort of near St. James, it's sort of near Soho, it's sort of near Covent Garden, it's sort of near Westminster, but it's not in any of those places. Other and places that really are bugs near me. Square. Yeah, but it's just like I want nice clean lines on maps. This is like this is why, why? I do this job. Why? Because I like things to be organised and I like everything to be at right angles. I like things to be neat. You're still are you still yearning after the Roman era, John? It's like well it was very direct. <laughs> Okay, so just to wrap up, what's your favourite place name? What's the, what do you think is the most evocative? What does pass the wind in the Willows test? No, no cheating. Don't look. No, no, no looking for a bit of paper with it written on. Like top of just off the top of your head, what is your favourite place name? Off the top of my head, it's very boring because it's where I live in Stockwell, and I I love the fact that it makes me th- every time I walk through the you know concrete jungle that is Stockwell, it makes me think of cows grazing in nice pastures before they went to market to be slaughtered i imagine is that actually where the name comes from well in my head (laughs) it is that the farmers would bring their stock to market and i think they would keep them just outside the city for like a night or a couple of nights to to graze them up and get them fat before they took them to market but i have possibly just imagined this I mean, my my favourite London place name is probably still Elephant and Castle, which is it is wonderful. And it's where um it's where they used to bring the elephants to graze them before taking them to the elephant market for the. You can't! You can't! You can't! <laughs> <laughs> I believe anything. <laughs> I was just enjoying the look on your face. Where you're like, this doesn't sound true, but anyway, we'll we'll see you next time.